What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR whenever you sign up. I'm Adam Matas, flying solo again today from the DNVR side, although I do have four fantastic guests lined up for you. And today is mostly going to be just an interview-style podcast because, as we are through the All-Star break and now to the home stretch, we look at the standings in the Western Conference and you start to look at and say, okay, where is Denver going to wind up? They currently sit as the sixth seed out West, uh, just barely ahead of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, just barely behind the Dallas Mavericks, and within striking distance of the Utah Jazz. So Denver, I think, realistically can wind up four, five, six, or seven. And rather than just kind of give my perspective or us at the DNVR crew talk about our perspective on it, I think it'd be nice to have some people in from around covering the Timberwolves, covering the Jazz, covering uh, the Grizzlies, and covering the Mavericks, and kind of talk about, okay, of those four teams plus Denver, where do you think everybody's going to wind up? And also, how do you think teams match up with the, you know, the different ones? Is Memphis afraid of Denver or do they want Denver? Is Dallas afraid of Denver or do they want Denver? Those are the questions I kind of wanted to ask. So I got a great group of people to come join me. I've got Kirk Henderson of Mavs Moneyball and the Mavs Moneyball podcast, which, by the way, has skyrocketed in popularity and growth. Kirk's one of my good friends in this industry. And I think he is, even though he's a bit of an Eeyore sometimes, he's a fantastic sort of, uh, he, he's great at creating conversation and engaging the community. He, he, he covers the Mavs a lot like we cover the Nuggets here in Denver, very engaged with his community and obviously uh thoroughly immersed in everything that's going on with the Mavericks. I got Keith Parrish of Fast Break Breakfast and Grind City Media. By the way, Grind City Media is like altitude sports in some ways, like altitude sports for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Keith knows the NBA as well as anybody, but especially the Grizzlies where he's the number one fan. So, And he had some interesting takes about where he thinks Memphis is going to wind up and who they would want to play. So you get his perspective, always insightful, always funny. Uh, I got Dane Moore, who does the great Dane Moore Basketball Podcast, which is one of the most popular basketball podcasts in the world. Uh, I have him on to talk about where he thinks Minnesota is going to be and if they can make a realistic push to getting out of the play-in and maybe overtaking Denver or Dallas for that last seed. Um, and then I got Tony Jones of The Athletic, one of the great follows on, on Twitter, a very level-headed Utah Jazz fan as well as a uh, – or a Utah Jazz, I should say, analyst – as well as a great analyst for the NBA talking about where he thinks Utah is. All of these guys talk about how they view Denver and whether or not the teams that they cover are going to want to play Denver in the playoffs. And it makes for, I think, some really good insight. So without further ado, let's hop right into those discussions and see what the guys had to say. All right. I am joined now by the marvelous, the wonderful, the charming devilishly handsome Keith Parrish, a.k.a. Fast Break Breakfast of the Fast Break Breakfast podcast in Grind City Media. Keith, how's that for an intro? That was a great intro, Adam. You only slightly stumbled over one of the Fast Break Breakfasts, <laughs> which is pretty good. Most people can't even get one out. You you almost got both of them. If I this was Olympic judging, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not the best. <laughs> I might have, might have scored okay or something here. Um, so I'm going through, and I'm asking everybody that covers a team specifically – um, or at least club covers the team more closely. And I know you're a Memphis Grizzlies guy. Yeah. Um, well, how they feel about their team from here on out. There's only 50 days before the end of the regular season, which is crazy. We're almost there. The Memphis Grizzlies currently are one and a half games behind the Golden State Warriors, which by the way, is closer than I thought. Like before I, I, for some reason in my head, I'm like, they're five games back. No, they're one and a half games back. They are four games up on Utah. So more likely to be the two seed than the four seed at this very moment and they have the sixth easiest strength of schedule according to positive residual schedules uh predictor which i think is the best one out there so keith where are the memphis grizzlies going to wind up in the standings at the end of the year i i think they're i don't know it's like 40 percent chance i feel like they might be the two seed is that too wow. high like really? when's, when's draymond gonna play again like that's a good point. Like yeah, Draymond Green gonna play player. again? Their latest update was saying he's gonna play basketball after the All Star break. Yeah. Well, yeah. what does that mean? Like, I think the Grizzlies schedule it's pretty easy. Um, I don't know if they're gonna have like this All Star hangover where we had this like nine days for everyone to be like, wait a minute, the Grizzlies are close to the Warriors, and like, and, and right. everyone telling the Grizzlies they're super good. Like at the very early part of that when you were talking about the Grizzlies you were like how do I feel about my team I feel amazing 
Like, I think <laughs> everyone who covers the Grizzlies, who follows the Grizzlies, feels amazing because it's yeah. surreal that it's happening, that it's happening this quickly. Not even the most optimistic Grizzlies fans went into these, this season thinking, hey, let's try to get home court in the first round. Like, right. that was not an expectation. The expectation was, like, rogue podcasters like myself were like, guys, I think we got better by losing Jonas Valanciunas. I think we can, you know, mid-40s. Like, we win, like, 45 games or something. And it, it turns out, and a lot of it is the context of the NBA, the Nuggets dealing with injuries, uh, Paul George sure. and Kawhi Leonard being hurt. This opportunity opened, and the Grizzlies, every night they go out, it turns out they're better than the team they're playing. And they just keep winning. <laughs> and so it turns out, hey, we're actually one of the best teams in the NBA. I didn't know that was going to happen. So, you know, more than likely, like you said, we are locked into that three seed. But I think there's a non-significant chance that they can catch the Warriors because the Grizzlies are playing well. The Grizzlies are deep. The Warriors, they're sort of deep. But, like, they need Draymond to be elite. And um, so I think they are, you know, available to be caught. Yeah. And you mentioned, like, you know, the team and the roster – the team is really good if you took away John Morant. And that's the part that I don't think people realize. Like, they're 12-2 and two without him this year. Yeah. I know, okay, a small sample size can maybe be a little deceiving. Nobody thinks they're better without him. But they are a good team without him. And then he's a cheat code. Like, there's nobody in the NBA that can guard John Morant. He just – he somehow moves left, right, up, down, like, just unlike anybody I've ever seen. Including well, he travels a lot, Adam. He, he carries the ball and he travels and they don't call it. So Is this he, a thing? He's basically Is this a thing? I, you're in a bubble I don't hear about. Is this a thing people complain about? No, people don't People don't complain about it. I mean, maybe I assume the opponents are complaining about it. I love this for, like, Grizzlies fans. And, like, every, you know, every fan base is like this. I, you know, you know I, I dabble yeah. in Nuggets fandom, and everyone's yeah. like, oh, if Jokic just got superstar calls, just imagine how, right. like, yeah, exactly. and, so, and so Grizzlies fans are like, man, if we got, if we got superstar calls, and it's like, guys, the man travels constantly. Like every last minute report that involves the Grizzlies, it's like it's like John Morant shifted his pivot foot before starting his dribble. Yeah. Uh, incorrect, no call. It's like we have those constantly. Also, he shot twenty five free throws in a game recently. The right, guy gets right. superstar calls just because he falls down as the whistle. So, no, yeah, John Morant probably quickest first step in the NBA. It also doesn't help that he maybe bends the rules a lot and uh, lifts his feet up. And yes, no one can stay in front of him because of that. And also his incredible basketball gifts. You know, the thing is, is when he travels, like you're yeah. saying, it's sure. awesome. It's awesome. Oh, it's and the I best. Think that's, that's the key is if you break the rule by doing something really cool, people are on board. Like Chris Paul bends the rules by ripping through for free throws. And it's like, nobody stands that, you know, it's like, come on, that's what makes the game worse. John Morant, if he's traveling, Allen Iverson used to have the like his moves, same thing. It's like, yeah, but it's fun. We don't want to take the fun away. He did. Awesome. John did a spin move that was so ridiculous. I think it was the last game before the All Star break against the Trailblazers, but it was just like, you just, I mean, I hate to be that guy. I hate to be the rules guy, but I am oh, that no. guy, so I have to own it. Like, 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 but like, he just carried the ball. Like, yeah, no one yeah. can do that because no one can do that. Like, the ball, he stuck the ball in his hand and spun around in a circle right. in the middle of his dribble. But no, it is spectacular. If Hey, if you look fluid and smooth, most referees, I'm talking any level, you're teaching your eight-year-old how to, how to shoot a layup. You can True. teach them some travels. Hey, if you move with confidence, if you don't act like you travel with your body, you might get away with it. Most of society is just people acting confident while they fake their way through it. That's really how the world well, works. Also, and also, I mean, you and I, Adam, we have, we have the tall man privilege. Where That's you right. Say, hey, just listen. Walk in there like you're tall. No one yeah. will stop you. Walking like you're tall. I'm good at that. Um, you mentioned being the two seed. This question is almost offensive because I think Memphis really is this good. But there is like when a good team, especially a young unproven team, gets rolling, like, okay, everything starts working out to their 100th percentile. And I think that's part of what's happened here is the Grizzlies are this good, but they've also had the confidence of a lot of great forward momentum. Is there any chance that they lose a little bit of that by virtue maybe of just the all-star break or a virtue of just like, you you know, just something happens that trips them up and it's like, okay, the engine takes a little while to fire up again. I think any NBA team is subject to that. I mean, in Taylor Jenkins and John Morant's first season, they basically stormed into the all-star break. And this is a team that everyone thought was going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. And they were good. 
They had this yeah. l- stretch of January. Um, Taylor Jenkins was coach of the month two yeah. years ago. And like everyone's like, hey, the Grizzlies are good. What's going on? And then after the All-Star break, they were terrible. And like it all kind of fell apart. Then, of course, the world shut down with the COVID-19 virus. But <laughs> I remember that, you know, yeah, I've heard of it. The um, this year. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, you know. I worry about that because it has seemed like surreal, like I said, where everything has been clicking. Although they're like the Grizzlies aren't at full strength. Like we're still right. missing Dylan Brooks, who's our right. best perimeter defender and like the heart and soul of the team. Yeah, at least he he used to be. This team doesn't it doesn't seem to matter. Like they play yeah. great defense, they're really good at offense, and they're you just smashing teams in the regular season. So, but yeah, I, I am always worried a bit. They're like, yeah, if what could they lose their confidence for whatever reason? And then you, you know. You start struggling a bit, and you, you're not the juggernaut you thought you were. It will be fun, man. So I was just penciling them in as a three seed. Now you're talking about you think they'll be a two seed, and it makes sense. Your reasoning is is very, very sound it's here. It's just possible. Maybe 30. Maybe I overstated. it. Maybe it's a 30% okay. chance they catch the Warriors. But I mean, hey, look, the Warriors do have question mark. Anytime you reintegrate a guy, and by the way, we are talking about a back herniated disc. This isn't like, oh, his toe is just going to heal. It's like, no, like I don't. Backs are weird. We don't know. Um, so there is a lot of mystery there. You you gave me something really strong to think about there, but uh, you know that I really wasn't considering. I will say, you mentioned I the MVP conversation that now starts like in training camp and just carries itself through every single quarter of every game all the way until the end of the year. It's a dumb conversation, but I do think that it is making the, it has changed the guidelines for the MVP itself in a way that I think is positive. And what I mean by that is it used to be you had to be a top two seed and then you pick the best player from there. And I don't think that's a good system. I think it is important to look at all of the context and say, okay, and and I think we're kind of starting to arrive there even if we talk about it in an annoying way. Coach of the year is still the dumbest version. It's still who's the best team. (laughs) That coach must be the coach of the year. Because I look at this and I think Taylor Jenkins, why isn't he coach of the year? Well, I think he's going to be. Is he not going to be? I think it's going to be Monty Williams because Monty Williams should have got it last year, which you could make a case for. And now it's like, well, they're the best team. Of course, he's the coach of the year. They're not going to get any other awards. Well, a lot of times coach of the year is not for the best team. It's usually the team that surprised the most people that we thought was going to stink. And I I do think I do. Well, but they have surprised people. They're going to hit their Vegas over under already. Like they hit it. I'm being serious. It's clearly the most surprising. It was going to be the Cavaliers. Like it it basically was going to be bigger staff. Uh, the former Grizzlies coach right. before Taylor Jenkins uh, or Taylor Jenkins. Um, and now I, I guess it is open. You know, the Suns are so dominant. You, you assume with Chris Paul's injury, maybe they won't win as many games. Yeah. Um, by the way, I don't, I don't think the Grizzlies can catch the Suns. They're a little bit too far away. <laughs> there's, there's only like 20 games left. Yeah. Um, huh? Well, I don't know. Maybe it should be Taylor. I, I think it, it should be Taylor Jenkins. But when I look at like the DraftKings odds, which are what I based all of my life on, I just say like, okay, he's the third best odds or something. So I think Monty Williams is like such an outlier. I'm like, okay, he's probably going to win it. Yeah, sure. So We'll see. Um, all right. Well, I want to get here. So Memphis is 3-0 and against Denver. Do you read anything into those three games? I do. As, as a predictor for how these teams would match up in the playoffs. Yeah. Um... I think the Nuggets are not uh, that. I guess the better way to say it is, I think the Grizzlies are a bad matchup for the Nuggets. I oh. think I think the Nuggets not having anyone to guard Ja is it's it's a yeah. huge deal. That's just a yeah. huge deal. I think Ja Morant has struggled against bigger defenders who are quick and can guard him. And like you're all NBA type guards. Nuggets don't have that. Like yeah. Nuggets don't have anyone to check him. And so I think that relieves a lot of the Grizzlies issues where they get bogged down in the half court. The Grizzlies weakness is frankly yeah. shooting. And that's another thing where Grizzlies fans are like super optimistic. We're like, we have the third best record in the NBA and we've had the third best record in the NBA for like over a month. And we're one of the worst three point shooting teams in the league. Eventually yeah. the shots are going to go in. We think like, Jaren's not going to yeah. shoot 30% for the whole year. Like oh, there's all these guys who have terrible shooting percentages, but anyway. I wish I knew what your guys's gravity was. Cause you're right that you don't make it. But in my head, I'm thinking about, there's all these guys I like worried about shooting and, and that's more important. Whereas Denver might have a few guys that are making threes this year. And I'm like, Oh man, Aaron Gordon's been all right on catch and shoot. You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't know if they guard him or not, but like, I mean, we're starting Zaire Williams and have been for a little bit yeah, and like, yeah. he's not a good shooter yet. Although his shooters, I mean, his, his shots look beautiful. 
Um, but uh, they don't go in at a great rate yeah. as far as the three pointers yet. This okay. team like keeps winning games with like seven made three pointers, and it's just like I don't think that's so you, maybe it is yeah. sustainable. So you think but, Den- so you, if Denver and Memphis matched up in a playoff series, and again Jamal Murray allegedly coming back, although he'll probably be hobbled or at least less than hundred percent. Even Michael, so, Michael so Adam, even know. even if J- Jamal Murray's back. I'm not overlooking the Nuggets because that's that's formidable. That's scary, Jokic and Murray. However, I don't think they stop the Grizzlies and what the Grizzlies are good at, which is John Morant penetrating, getting into the paint. Jamal Murray's not going to do that. A healthy Jamal yeah. Murray is is not going to do that. The, the Nuggets beat the Grizzlies a lot last year, but there were some very close games even when the Grizzlies were shorthanded. And it was because, I think, the Nuggets don't have anyone to stop John Morant and teams right. that don't have anyone to stop Ja it's basically not that hard of a matchup. I mean, I guess you could say the the Jazz last year, Jaw went nuts and, and the Jazz beat us down pretty comfortably because they had a superior team. But I think this year, right now, talent level is pretty equal. I think Jokic is the best player in the series. I'm not going to say John Morant's better than Jokic. I think Jokic is way better uh, than John Morant. But I think the Grizzlies have bodies they can throw at Jokic. And honestly, it's like, listen, Jokic scores as much as you can. I assume we're not going to double team you. We're just going to try to keep anyone else from beating us. And I don't think the rest of the roster right now for the Nuggets uh, is able to do that. I want a series like that. It never actually works out that way, but I want a series where a team's like, I dare Jokic to score 50 every game. And he, and he, and he, yeah. and I think now he will. And yeah. even if they lost, I want them to win, but it would be nice to be like, man, he averaged 48 a game that series. Like even that would be fun. So I'm all yeah. for it. I, I don't say, I, say Jokic, I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't. I just. I don't want to face the Nuggets. That's like me losing yeah. as an NBA fan. Oh, that's true. I yeah. want to have a Grizzly series and a Nuggets series where I can yeah. cheer for both the Grizzlies and the Nuggets. You put them together, it's no fun. It's not gonna it's be fun to tough. beat you guys down. It's, it's just... <laughs> the Nuggets do slow the pace. I mean, Jokic controls pace about as well as anyone. And as you mentioned, that is a bit of a weakness for the Grizzlies. They love to get out and run. So if, in a series, if you can make that a grinded out half court game, even with Jaws' advantage, I do wonder if that still takes away a little bit of the rhythm of a team like that's one of the things about the playoffs is if you can disrupt the rhythm that a team's just kind of accustomed to that's how they won every year we'll see what they do and that's one of the question marks for a young team but we'll see it if we if we end up getting there um so who do you want to play like if you ranked the teams that are likely so you're gonna have to look at if we say two or three you're looking at utah dallas denver minnesota rank those teams and who you'd like to face the most the least um i want to face minnesota Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, what was it? we're talking about just Utah, Dallas, Denver, Minnesota out of those. Cause I don't think there's anybody else you would face in the first round. I mean, there, I mean, it's possible whoever wins the play in, I mean, it could be the, oh, if, that's true. The if, 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 if the Grizzlies right. get the two, if the Grizzlies get the two, oh, that, you're that, right. that, that, that might be madness. I'll say <laughs> we don't right now. I think I speak for everyone. We would rather play the nuggets over the Mavericks. We are okay. more scared of the Mavericks defense and their grinded out slow pace game. Yeah. I think yeah. for both matchups, if the Nuggets get us in a half court game or the Mavericks get us in a half court game, that's that's advantage to you guys. Like that's that's not where the Grizzlies want to be. Grizzlies excel, that, and like the the Mavericks have shown they can do it, and they've they've ground us into dust. Because they, yeah. they, for whatever reason, they they can they've proven they can slow slow the game down. They can shut down Jaw a little bit, and, and it's been a slog. So I am I am more worried about Dallas right now in the specific matchup with the Grizzlies. Um, I I do fear Utah. I think Utah is slightly being slept on nationally when Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are available and Mike Conley are available. When those three guys are playing, they're awesome, and yeah. they might even be comfortably better than the Grizzlies when those three people are playing together. The Grizzlies, yes, they win without John Morant. Um, but like I, I do think the Jazz are maybe are a better overall team, um, at least when they're when their guys are, are healthy. So I, I'm not eager to face the Jazz. So yeah, I, I would definitely I would say out of those ranked them, Timberwolves first. I prefer them, then Nuggets, then Mavericks, then Jazz. If I threw Clippers into the mix, where would they fit in? I don't. Okay. Yeah, I can't even. Right. Don't even care, please. Okay. I mean, okay. I, I, I mean, I guess we, we can joke, but like, is Paul George and uh, who knows Kawhi yeah. Leonard playing? You know, other, know. Uh, otherwise, yeah. no, I'm not. Uh, I mean, honestly, if we're in the play-in, give me the Lakers. I want the Lakers so bad. I want. So Nuggets Grizzlies, if they do match up, I think that might be the best first-round series. I also think it would be on NBA TV exclusively. 
<laughs> no one would yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like we have John Moran and you think he's popular and like I guess he yeah. would drive eyeballs, but like ESPN kicked the Grizzlies off like two weeks ago. Like, like it wasn't like a surprise. It's like, so dumb. Like in the preseason when they scheduled this game, they didn't think the Grizzlies would have the yeah. third best record in the NBA, but the Grizzlies do have the yeah. third best record in the NBA. John got voted into the all-star game and they're like, man, let's get that Grizzlies team out of here. We, we can't, they're, we don't want eyes on that. There definitely would be a Nuggets Grizzlies game that's at like 10 a.m. Mountain Time just for no reason on a Saturday. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. what? Why are we sure. hiding this game? Like, yeah, geez, I don't abso- know. absolutely. <laughs> be game seven. That's the game they'd put up. He is Keith Parrish. Fantastic podcast. Fast Break Breakfast. Check him out. Uh, Keith, thanks so much, man. Thanks, so. Gonna take a quick break to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. We've been talking about them for years because they've been one of our best partners for many years. Uh, they are so ingrained in DNVR. I mean, DNVR is Breckenridge Brewery. So when you're drinking a Breckenridge Brewery, you know that you are supporting DNVR and everything that we stand for. They're a local company that has made it big, just like we're trying to do with DNVR, a small startup that has made it big. They've got great tasting beers. We've got a lot of them on draft. The Vanilla Porter Jr., the Strawberry Sky, the Avalanche Amber, and of course, the Mile High City Copper Lager, the Denver Nuggets themed beer. If you want to check them out, they also have the Celtsies. Uh, lots of different uh, types of flavors, and they have the uh, Good Company. Uh, those things are fantastic, especially, look, I know it's a snowy day and it's like zero degrees right now. Spring is on the way. I can already feel it. We're only two weeks away from uh, daylight savings when the sun starts staying up till 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock. I can't wait for it. That puts me in that summer spirit, which is all for those uh, Good Company lemonades, spiked lemonades, as well as the seltzers. So check them out. If you don't know where near you, you can find Breckenridge Brewery use the Breck Brew Locator, just Google Breck Brew Locator, put in your address or your zip code, and it'll tell you what's nearby you. So check them out, Breckenridge Brewery. We're also presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook uh, app. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook. We got a new one here. This is a brand first time reading it. The official sports betting partner of the NBA. It's good. It's too good to pass up. Between the legs, 360 windmill dunk good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same-game parlays. We, of course, do this in our pregame shows. Highly encourage you to check those out. We always make a single-game parlay together, and they're a lot of fun to kind of follow. Combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, it's reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the top-rated sportsbook app, DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn just $1 on any NBA team to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Uh, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, I'm joined now by Tony Jones covering the Utah Jazz for The Athletic, the NBA at large. Uh, Tony, in a hotel room in Cleveland for All-Star Weekend. Thanks for taking uh, 10 minutes out of your day to come talk to me, Tony. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me on, Adam. I appreciate you. So, all right, so you're out there at All-Star Weekend. Before we get into the Utah Jazz stuff, the 75th anniversary thing I thought was pretty cool. Who, when you're watching all of this stuff, who stood out? Like, who, I know Jordan's the star among stars, but like, who are some of the other guys that kind of just stick out amongst all the 75 that were there? Uh, well, obviously LeBron, because of, um, you know, just, uh, just because of the reception that he received. Yeah. Um, I thought Shaq was really, uh, was, Really funny giving a shout out to uh, the Q Dogs um, and his introduction. Uh, obviously, Kobe. Um, yeah. You know his reception was 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 pretty chilling as well. Um, you know, but you know Ray Allen coming out and and you know I know they took a photo afterwards, but Ray Allen coming out and ignoring Kevin Garnett and and, and Paul Pierce. Um, that was. That was pretty funny. Um, you know, Dennis Rodman having a continued conversation with LeBron James. Like, uh, you wonder what that conversation was. Um, My God, you can only wonder. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, there were there were a number of introductions that were, you know, um, that that were noteworthy. Um, you know, but it was it was definitely a fun night. 
I thought it was cool seeing Jordan just talk to some of these younger guys who I'd never really seen him interact with. In fact, I know when he snuck up on Luca and gave him the hug, Luca said he'd never talked to him before, which you wouldn't have known it by that moment. It almost looked right. like they were friends. And it's kind of cool sometimes when you see legends like that meeting these young guys for the first time. I always think it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought I thought it was fun, fun during the weekend seeing, you know, a lot of those guys uh, milling around the hotel and just – you know, holding and just holding court like people like Oscar yeah. Robertson and Robert Parrish and people like that. Um, let me uh, I want to talk about the Utah Jazz here uh, real quickly and just kind of how you project their season to go. So as we sit right now, there are three games behind the Memphis Grizzlies. I think five games. I'm looking at the loss column, not just because that's at this point we can start to look at losses. Um, three losses behind Memphis. They're two losses ahead of Den of Dallas and three ahead of Denver. So they're in the four seed. Where do you project they are going to finish in the standings at the end of the year? Well, I mean, I think um, they'll probably stay, in, stay locked into the four. Um, you know, it's not about wins and losses for them at this point. It's probably about, you know, their, whatever their level of play is right. uh, in, in the next six weeks. Um, you know, they – you know, they have a difficult schedule in March. Um, they have a, you know, they start on Friday with, with uh, Dallas, but then they have a five-game road trip off the bat. When mm. they come home, uh, they have a homestand that, that um, includes the Milwaukee Bucks and, and the Chicago Bulls yeah. uh, and the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, right. for that matter. Uh, and then they have uh, another six-game road trip um uh down the stretch of that uh and then they oh, come over to the lakers and uh then they have uh the grizzlies and the warriors and, yep. and the suns again so they're gonna have they're, they're gonna have a tough runway um to to finish the regular season so they you know it's, it's to me it's not about the wins and losses it's just their level of play and you know whether they're happy and I mean, whether they're healthy and 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 whether they're they're playing um, and whether they're playing at their best uh, when, when it really matters. I think you said happy there, maybe a Freudian slip because I do think that's part of it here. Of just like, does this team do they get some momentum? I know they went through a rough patch, which is understandable with some of the guys being out or this or that. But this is the time where teams have to kind of turn it on and start to build belief. And that's one of my big questions with Utah is like, do they believe they can win a championship this year or that they can compete for one? And I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that just now because of how fragmented the season has been. And that's one thing I'm looking at. You looked at the schedule, though. They played Dallas three times, and that's who they're right there with. I mean, if somebody passes them, it's going to be Dallas. And they play them three times, two times on the road. I feel like those matchups really might be what determines the four or five seed. Yeah, I don't think they're going to fall past the four seed. I'd be surprised. Um, okay. You know, I, I think they'll I think they'll be good enough to hold on to the four seed. Um, you know, if to me, if 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 they're anything other than the four seed, that means they they probably played up. Um, right. I could be wrong, but you know, I I don't see them giving up the four seed. I, I think I just think they're too good a team yeah. um, to to do that. So. You know, I, you know, for 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 me, if you're the Jazz, you want to you want to get healthy, um, you want to get your entire nine man rotate projected nine man rotation together. Uh, they haven't played a lot of games um, with those nine, um, and you know, and they want to be playing good basketball uh, on both ends of the floor. You know, the thing about March that you know i think some people don't realize is that it's it's a it's it's not it's no longer a marathon it's a sprint because right yep. you know those those games are every other day um they they keep coming and you know the the level um is turned up significantly from from january and february because you know there's a malaise that you know the, the nba goes in cycles you know everybody's yep. excited to play in october and november and you know in December, and then you know after Christmas, there's it's, there's like a six week malaise, and then you know to the All Star break, and then you know guys are are excited again um, beyond the All Star break because they know they know that the playoffs are coming. So you know it's just about you know figuring out um, 
what they need to figure out on both ends of the floor and, and trying to play up to the best of their ability. So as you look at the playoffs, if they're the four seed, and I agree with you, that's the most likely one. 538 has them fairly comfortably as the four seed. I think they have Dallas and Denver both being like two or three games below them. So it kind of projects out that right uh, that way. You start to look at, so if they're the four seed, Dallas or Denver, probably one of those two teams is going to be the five. Do you think Utah has a preference for who they would rather match up with in the first round? Um, so I think, you know, the, the whole, so I, I think there are, um, uh, pros and cons to both matchups for, for the Jazz. Um, I think that, you know, you want to, um, play, uh, your preferred style of basketball, uh, offensively. So, you know, Denver allows the Jazz to do that, but then on the other end of the floor, um, you know, they, Denver doesn't allow the Jazz to play their style of basketball defensively because Jokic is so uh, dynamic outside of the paint or in and out of the paint or pretty much anywhere he touches the basketball. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I know that um, Denver's expecting Jamal Murray back. Don't know what level he's going to be playing at by, yeah. by, the, by the playoffs. Um you know, so that could be a, a pretty dynamic matchup. Um, obviously, we saw, you know, pretty much a classic seven-game series a couple of years ago between those two. Um, you know, Dallas, um, they probably took away some of the things that that makes Utah uncomfortable by trading away Kristaps Porzingis. Mm. Um, so, you know, their bigs – um, don't stretch the floor nearly as well. Um, so, you know, you know, ironically by trading Porzingis, um, you know, the, the, you know, Dallas basically kept Chris, uh, kept Rudy Gobert a little closer to the basket in a, in a, right. in a, in a projected series, but then there's the Luca factor and, you know, he's, he's fully capable of scoring 40 a game through seven games and, and making that really, really difficult. It's neither one are easy series for the Jazz. Um, I would probably think that the Jazz uh, would want to see Dallas a little bit more than they want want to see Denver, uh, just because you know I think outside of Jokic, especially if Murray can come back and give them anything, uh, or Michael Porter Jr. outside of outside of Jokic, uh, there are guys that can that can still hurt the Jazz and. Uh, without Tim Hardaway Jr., I don't know outside of Luca how many guys uh, can can really hurt the Jazz. So um, I'll probably go with Dallas um, as is as Utah's preferred matchup. But you know, I don't think that either one of those those teams are going to be easy for the Jazz. I mean, I think that's probably. I mean, even going through some of the, all, I think all the first round series have a potential to be pretty tough for people. I mean, a Memphis, I think, might be the two seed. Just they have a very easy schedule. They're only a game and a half back. Who knows with Draymond? Well, you talk about them if they get a first round matchup with the Clippers or something like that. For a first timer, that's a tough matchup. You know, really smart coach, switchable team. So, I think the first round will be will be tough no matter what. If you, it's so hard to project Denver because the Jamal Murray Michael Porter factor is just like a complete mystery. But Utah Denver, if they do match up, how would you predict that series at least right now? Uh, I would probably take the Jazz in six. Uh, I think the Jazz are a little bit better um, this year. Um, you know, I think, but, you know, I think it's a caveat that it can obviously be a seven-game series or, or Denver can outright win it. Um, you know, it would take, you know, Jokic, um, you know, I think it would take Jokic really going off in that series. The thing about that series is that it would be, you know, it would be such a high-scoring series. The, the the advantage, the advantage that that Dallas has in a series over Utah is that I think Dallas can generate stops, and I'm not sure yeah. that Denver can generate stops. I think they can score 115 points a game, but I don't think they can stop the Jazz from scoring 120 points a game. Right. Um, you know, so um, you know, I will probably pick the Jazz in six. Um, you know, or maybe seven, um, you know, but, you know, 
that they have the best player. Denver has the best player in the series. So anytime you have the best player in a series, you have a chance to win the series. He is Tony Jones. You can read his work at The Athletic. Always level-headed uh, Utah Jazz takes. Uh, so always enjoy that. Tony, thanks so much for taking time here. No problem. Thanks for having me out. You bet, man. All right, I'm joined by the Iceman himself, Kirk Henderson, Mavs Moneyball, the Mavs Moneyball podcast feed. Kirk, it's good to see you. You too, buddy. How do you like the nickname, the Iceman? That's <laughs> good. It's earned. It's a deep <laughs> cut for people who have followed you for a long time. I don't even know if anybody even remembers this uh, this this uh, the story. Oh, the ball, those, those in the Balkans will remember. Those are the people who just <laughs> murdered me. <laughs> all the all the European folks. They'll never forget. They have a very strong memory. Um, as I'm sure you've got. I mean, what's your relationship now with the Balkans? Now that you have a Slovenian player, I mean, is your audience largely Slovenian now? I would say it's probably thirty percent. Uh, okay. It's there's there's a lot of I really love. They're very engaged fan base. <laughs> It's like folks who stay, folks who watch basketball over there have to watch it at terrible times. So that's like they're yeah. fully in. I love it. You're, I, you're saying they're very engaged. It's like whenever somebody dies, all of their, then all you they have is bad qualities. Like, was this, um, what was the Yankees owner? Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner. Like everybody would talk about, you know, he did things his own way. It's like, okay, this is a way of saying he's an asshole. But like, I love him. Positive I love him. Because it's like basketball, basketball for, for people that watch it at four in the morning is more than a, it, oh, it's yeah. more than fun. It's a religion. They definitely like it more than we do. Mm. <laughs> they definitely like the sport more as evidenced by, by how intensely they are. I love it as well. Um, so we're talking about the Mavs now with you and kind of how you project them to go. To give you the rundown, they currently are one game ahead of Denver although they do have tiebreaker over Denver. They are two games ahead of Utah, and they play Utah three times. The schedule this year is the dumbest ever. Like, it's always dumb, but it's mm. so dumb. Like, Denver's already played Utah. In the first 35 games of the season, they played them four times. They don't play them again. Somehow, you guys have not played Utah once, and you'll play them three times over the last 24 games. I feel like those games are going to determine, you know, a, quite a bit about the standings. As you look at it, where do you project Dallas to finish in the standings uh, at the end of the year? I don't project them to move at all. They're fifth now. I don't see them falling to like seventh, which is four right. plus games back at this point. Yep. I could see a drop to sixth given tiebreaker stuff, but even tiebreakers, Nuggets, uh, they they own the tiebreaker over. Um, this Utah thing will be of of great import over the next several several weeks. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of think just, you know, probably finishing in like the, I want to say they have 23 games, but it's like, 13 and 10, like just kind of playing maybe just above 500 basketball sounds yeah. about right. Is there any concern? I know that the team has won without, you know, after this trade, although it hasn't been that many games. Is there any concern that this team is like meaningfully different now and we just don't see it yet in a way that maybe makes them a little bit worse or makes them a little like go through a lull while they figure it out? So I think it lowers their ceiling because Chris Stapp's Porzingis is a ceiling raiser, but yeah. unfortunately he just wasn't able to play enough. And this was something I was kind of focused on from the moment they traded for him. And as a result of that, I think that now that they no longer have to deal with the constant Porzingis questions, whether it's reacclimating him to the offense, right. reacclimating the offense to him, not being there, figuring mm. out the defense, dealing with his sort of, hilariously straightforward like he was like a like mo nobody says what they mean Porzingis was always like I need more touches like he was yeah, yeah. nobody does that stuff anymore which is great but like there there's a been a bit of a freed element particularly for Luca I mean his usage rate is off the charts the past five games like he's like a 47 and a half percent it's ridiculous but he's also scored 50 points twice right <laughs> um so I, I don't really know I, I I think if they can continue just sort of playing okay then getting to the playoffs and being moderately healthy will help them as much as anything because you know you look at how Luca played I would wait the Clippers were just the worst matchup for them the past two seasons I don't know yeah. if they would have beat other teams but I think it wouldn't have been quite as I, I think it like Luca's scarier to other teams than the Clippers I guess is what I mean to say okay I think there's probably something to that it's always funny when a young player has only played one team and because you're kind of like, well, I don't, yeah, is it just the one matchup or what have you? And as I'm looking at this, Doncic had 51, 45, 21, and then 49. So three out of four games, he scores 45 or more. 
and that's all post trade. So yeah, he maybe this is the new look Mavs. Even I I don't know that this is a recipe for long term, like you said, peak success. But there is something to this happens with Jokic. Like whenever guys go down, they just play through Jokic more, and it's actually better. And at some point, you just need to have other guys. But maybe this is a regular season formula, or at least a short term formula of like, hey, just rely on Luca because he's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they get a little bit of that. Now, I you're the first person I've had four people on. You're the first person I disagree with about the standings. I actually think Dallas is sixth. I think Denver passes Dallas. One, Denver has the easiest remaining strength of schedule in the NBA by a pretty wide margin. Dallas actually has, I think, the seventh hardest. Not, not that these things matter that much. Like most teams are like pretty, their schedules are pretty much the same. But 10 home games, 13 away. I mentioned those games against Utah. If you beat Utah, then I, I will reverse the take. Um, but I look at these upcoming games here. At, at right, out, right out of the gate, at Utah, at Golden State, at the Lakers, then home versus Golden State, home versus Sacramento, home versus Utah. That's a very tough six-game stretch. I think Denver's, Denver has the easiest six-game stretch of their season coming up. I think Denver passes them in that set, that little section by at least one game. And I think that that probably holds the rest of the way. Do you feel like this is a possibility? Uh, or I mean, do you I've, feel like pretty confident that Dallas won't be passed? I, I, I would earnestly be okay with it because it comes down to a position of who would I rather see in the playoffs. And there's an argument to be made, and this is before these three Jazz games, that the Mavericks shouldn't want to play the Jazz because the Jazz play unbelievable pick-and-roll defense. Right. My theory on beating the Jazz is I am not afraid of the Jazz. <laughs> just like 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 luca gobert who are you more fearful yeah. of I, I think donovan mitchell is uh whatever's going on there with their team chemistry is eesh, uncomfortable and also like playing the grizzlies i think would be really fun the mavericks have beat the pants off the grizzlies really it, it, they they beat them three to one in the series matchup and in one of the games a road game in memphis without porzingis i'm pretty sure they beat memphis by 30 Wow. Uh, it's it's a it's a styles makes fights kind of matchup right. where Memphis plays fast, Dallas plays slow, and you don't want to get into a half court game with Luca because Memphis is just not there yet in terms of half court offense. Well, I, so I actually like this take, and when I talked to I talked to Keith Parrish about Memphis, he had similar thoughts. You know that Dallas maybe is not a good matchup. Here's the thing: I'm not sure that they're going to be the three seed. I think they might be the two seed, mm-hmm. and that and I don't think Dallas will be the seven. Like they're either going to be six, yeah. five, or four. So maybe it becomes a little bit of a moot point. And as I'm looking at the schedule, the last week of the ske- of the NBA is going to be really fascinating because I do think Dallas, Utah, Denver, Dallas are going to be close enough that teams can start to get tricky if they want mm-hmm. to. And Dallas finishes the season with a very easy schedule. Detroit, Portland, San Antonio. Uh, Detroit's on the road, but Portland and San Antonio are at home. None of those games are back-to-back. To me, that signals Dallas is probably going to get to pick their matchup because mm-hmm. if they need to win, they can get a win against those teams almost certainly. They need a loss. It's not that hard to tank against those teams, so you can get a loss there. So I think that there might be in a situation. Would you see Dallas doing that? Let's say that they have an opportunity and Memphis is locked into the three seed, and do they have an opportunity to drop to the six? Do you Could you see them doing that? I would hope they don't because they're not good enough. Um, mm. Picking your opponent is just too risky of an endeavor for a team that hasn't done anything. Um, yeah, I think it sends the wrong message to a team of mostly younger guys, even though Luca is an absolute like veteran, like he's a veteran in basketball yeah, sense. Yeah. But I just, I just don't think it's a good idea. Well, to, to counter uh, make a counterpoint here, Denver did that their first year in the playoffs and it really paid off. They did it the second <laughs> year in the playoffs and it really paid off. So like Denver has actually successfully picked their opponents uh, somewhat frequently. And look, man, it makes a big difference. Not I sure. don't know. If you talk about playing a Utah or maybe even a Denver somehow, although I don't think that'll happen, you know, those are tough. Memphis is a first timer. I don't know. I don't I don't know that there's any risk there. If you feel if you feel like there's a good matchup, I think you go for it. And especially if you're talking about I don't think you look ahead. If you're a Dallas, I don't think you look ahead to the second round and think, like, do we want to avoid a Phoenix? I don't think you can look that far because one one round win would be a success, I feel, this year. Let me tell you why I'm a little freaked out. So 
When you trade Chris Stapps for Zingas, you're trading a part of your depth. And the Mavericks started the year with a hilarious six centers on the roster. <laughs> they have since ejected Willie Cauley-Stein back to whence he came, like yeah. the ether of nothingness that represents Willie Cauley-Stein. They yeah. have cut, uh, gosh, what was his name? Uh, the, the big center out of UCLA who bounced around for a while. Um, it shows you how uh, uh, Moses, Moses Brown, what's wrong with me? So that's two okay. guys gone. Then they trade Porzingis and they don't get a big back. Their current big lineup at the moment is they have Dwight Powell as their starting center. They right. they play they bump Dorian Finney-Smith down to power forward. They have Maxi Kleba, Davis Bertans, and then Marquise Chris, who has been shockingly good for a guy off the scrap heap. But one injury to one of those players, and this whole thing becomes not because it, it, it like their their defense has been so good but it's reliant yeah. upon kind of team chemistry so if one of those right. guys don't goes down with an injury and i really think that's a, a i don't want to say a likelihood but it's a real uh, a possibility with kind of the defense that they play and you remember a couple of years ago back in summer league you and i we we were talking with uh, uh injury expert jeff stotts who was talking about how like certain denver players were getting hurt in their yeah. big rotation because of their scheme and they're asking yeah. a lot of them and right. I think that's that's what I'm sort of worried about in the back of my mind. And that just causes a cascade of problems. Yeah. Um, last one here, just kind of a little bit of a fun one. Luca and Jokic, BFFs, it turns out. I mean, we knew they spoke the same language. They spent some time together here. But, you know, what's the conversation like in Dallas in terms of those two guys? This, this All-Star break, you only see what people take videos and pictures of or share quotes of. But there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of just like grab ass going on between those two guys, like playing like school children. Um, what, how do you, you know, what do you make of their budding friendship? This is a longer conversation, but to me, it's something of note that everyone should keep an eye on because Luca more than anything else wants to win. I don't mm. think he's necessarily married to any one place in Dallas people. If anyone listens to this, I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, but I'm right. Mark Cuban is an annoying owner who hasn't been that successful in building a team around him. And Denver is a solid situation and a fun city with kind of lesser, like it doesn't have national media spotlight stuff, but you, you they've been consistently good. And that has to matter at some point. They would have national spotlight if Luka and Jokic weren't in the same city, though. No matter, they could go to Oklahoma City, and I feel like... I think they It's weird, because individually, the foreign thing is like, they're hard to cover. But if you put any of those two guys, like Giannis and Jokic, or Giannis and and Doncic together, all of a sudden, the combination of the two makes them big. You know, like, makes them superstars that everybody would cover. It's really something to keep an eye on, though. But it it, it does make, like, they seem to just really it's a unique environment for them because they're both not necessarily all-star like, Hey, look at me type guys, which, right. you know, shouts to LeBron James for the, for making the, you know, the, the, he's, he's the son. We all just orbit around him. So they, they seem to get a kick out of the fact that they're just two different dudes in a, in a different environment. But I, I really loved all that stuff. It, it, it really yeah. like the, I saw one last night where Luca's waving at him during like a photo yeah. shoot and like, he just flat out ignored him. Uh, Jokic did, and like the look on Luca's face is like, like nobody ignores me. What is this? This is awesome. This is great stuff. It is. It is funny, man. They have such a goofy. Like they even throw Giannis into that. They're like so goofy, man. And it, it's just kind of funny that they have this sort of friendship about being out of the club because they're mm-hmm. all out of the club. You know, they're all out of the cool kids club. But they're also three of the most important players in the NBA, so they make their own cool kids club that I just think is kind of interesting. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see them. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say about not to burst Dallas fans' bubble, I, I really have a hard time imagining Jokic leaving Me Denver. Too. I, I what I think is I would not be surprised if Jokic retires in about four years. Like I, <laughs> Jokic, if he, if, I'm way more concerned with him just being like, yeah, I'm done. Like if Denver won next year. He might be like, hey, that's all I was here for. Like, I got my money. I got the championship. And so I'm more concerned about that. But I just don't think he's the type of guy to want to change things. He's got deep roots here now. He's got a lot of friends that are just in the organization, not just like the coach, but like the trainer and and people around that I don't. So I, I would have a hard time seeing it. I could maybe see him playing out to 32 or something and doing one year. Like I could see a, Hey, I'm retiring in one season, but I'm going to go someplace for one year to play with Luca or to play with Giannis or to do something like that. I could see that, but I don't see it as a long-term thing. I mean, I don't see, I don't see Jokic leaving. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I already, I, I don't trade in rumors on my site because I think it's cheap click bullshit. Yeah, of um, course. But it, I mean, it's, it's just boring. Like, I'm not going to talk about something that's never going to happen. Nothing has ever happened in Dallas that was good except for me getting really drunk and proclaiming Luca was coming to Dallas, and then it happened. <laughs> Nothing else good has happened in 10 years. <laughs> I, your energy is the best, <laughs> Never change. Always bring that same one. You guys can check him out. Uh, huge following going on, by the way, to really turn that Mavs Moneyball uh, podcast feed into Juggernaut. Um, and, and so you, if you ever have any Dallas, you want to hop into spaces or something and talk about Luca, talk about the Mavs, Kirk is 100% your guy. Kirk, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks, bye. Let's take our final break to talk about Evaca TV. They are our newest partner here. You haven't been able to watch the Nuggets and Avalanche for a while while billionaires fight over who gets to do what for how much. Fortunately, there's innovative companies like Avaca TV from right here from Colorado. It's a brand new paradigm for TV delivery that's less expensive, more efficient, and offers a superior picture than legacy providers. Their service includes Altitude Sports. They're constantly growing, constantly adding new channels, but I know all you really care about is getting that Altitude Sports uh, channel. And right now, that service is available in Denver, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, Boise, and Twin Falls, Idaho, with new markets coming on. Uh, Denver, Avaca TV uses next-gen broadcast technology, which allows for a vibrant picture quality using far less bandwidth than streaming services. So I'm telling you, this is great picture, and it's not eating up all of your bandwidth. What could be better than this? Most importantly, Avaca TV has altitude sports. We finally have the solution. How you get to watch the greatest basketball player ever to play for the city of Denver, Nikola Jokic. You can now watch him uh, using Ivaca TV, making it easy for you to follow the teams you love. Also, by the way, the Avs, I think they're going to win a Stanley Cup. Knock on wood, I think they're going to do it this year. You don't want to miss out on that. Plus, you got Rapids, Mammoth, and all that other stuff. Uh, so if you sign up, you go to evaca.tv slash dnvr, E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash dnvr. It's only $25 per month plus the receiver. There's no contracts, no hidden fees, and price is locked in for two years. So it's not one of those things you lock in now, and then a month from now it goes up, you know, some skyrocketing price. Get in now, $25 a month, that's it. You get altitude, uh, and that price is locked in for two years. Evaca TV, I'm super pumped to have them as a partner. Uh, and I can't wait to see everybody switching over to using them. Also want to tell you about Sexy Pizza. This year, their headquarters are right there at the DMVR bar, right above us, actually. We share a building with them. But they're a fantastic company with a delicious pizza. They are the sponsor of all of our DNVR Broncos tailgates uh, and will be next year as well. Fantastic pizzas. They get 13 years in the Denver community. Uh, so they got roots here. Sexy Pizza, it's as local as it gets. Hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch-each-morning dough. Choose your own adventure with the wide ranging of toppings or try one of their signature philanthropies. A portion of every sale of those five specialty pies is donated to a range of different nonprofits right here in Colorado. Again, as local as it comes. If you're looking to have uh, Sexy Pizza support your organization or event, go to sexy.pizza and check out their about page for the donation link and see how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. They got 12 inch, 16 inch, and 18 inch crust. And they're fantastic. New location in Trinidad, Colorado. But they've also got a location in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill. So all across the metro area. Check them out. And, of course, the best website in all of the internet, sexy.pizza. All right, moving over now to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm joined by Dane Moore of the Dane Moore uh, podcast. Fantastically named. Very easy to remember. Um, <laughs> also fantastic when covering the Timberwolves. And, um, yeah, the Timberwolves in an interesting spot right now. They are in the seven seed, which is the play-in, along with the Clippers and Lakers, but they are just three losses. We're at the point now, Dane, where I think, rather than look at, like, actual games back, I just look at losses. I think that's the best. The, the Timberwolves are three losses behind Denver for the sixth seed. We cross over that once you hit the all-star break. And yep. that's, that's, that's the loss column, not the little GB column. The I one you can't make up. It's the losses. So, um all right, so the Timberwolves, if we look at their schedule, they've got 13 home games, 10 away games. They're somewhere in the middle of the pack in terms of difficulty. I, I always use Positive Residuals uh, schedule app because I think it's a little bit more revealing. It factors in back-to-backs, home away, and that kind of stuff. Um, they're kind of middle of the pack there. So right off the top, where do you see Minnesota being when the uh, the season ends? Where do you see them being seated? So I think it's kind of like multifaceted where where if you're the Wolves, you need to look up at Dallas and Denver and give yourself, you know, a percent chance of passing one or both of them. But also you need to look behind you, I yeah. think, at, at the Clippers. Um, I, I 
Now, I don't think it's an over 50% chance that the, the Clippers pass the Wolves. I don't think it's an over 50% chance that the Wolves pass the, the Mavs or Nuggets, but it's a, I don't know, it's, it's a weird middle ground because I think the six is super important. Yeah, um, for sure. In this for, I'm curious actually how, how much do you think so? I, I just think, okay, one, it's not just skipping the play-in, which I don't know if the Wolves or the Nuggets, if they land there, will even make it out. Right, because then you got to play the Clippers and then the Lakers. Probably, it would, I don't know. You could lose that, but then you got to go play the Warriors or the Suns. That just is maybe, maybe. I don't want to spoil anything, but Memphis is kind of sneaky closer to Golden State than I think people realize. Well, I think man, there's I a think real anybody to do. Whoever, if it's Denver, if it's Minnesota, if it's Dallas, or whatever, like it's me. I am tanking or doing accordingly to play Memphis in that. I, really? I, yeah. Man, I think well, one, they're the youngest team. Two, I well, just to the eye test. Right. I think, I think Phoenix and Golden State are on a completely yeah. different level. You know yeah. the way we do, where we just pop in and watch them. Like whatever that right. metric test is in our brain. To me, Phoenix and Golden State are on a level way up. And then with Memphis, like they have a really be- like a lot of the points they generate are in transition like they i think they're they're 22nd in half court offense like those sort of things i just think it's a team yeah. that's susceptible to particularly for a team like denver that's been there more than they have um i don't know if i was denver man i'm like give me memphis over any of those teams i feel the, like the thing that's tough is i actually think i like the play in i think it adds drama to the season but there is something too. If you even if you win the play-in, you're seven seed, but you win the play-in and you get into the playoffs, it still feels like just when you check off boxes, it's like you didn't make the real playoffs. You still made the play-in yeah. and then the playoffs. So I feel like there's this tier. It's kind of like were you the number one seed? Then the next tier is did you have home court advantage? Then the next one is were you a playoff team and then play-in team? So there's these sort of tiers to it. And then on top of that, I think the Lakers are a bad team. But I don't yeah. want any part of LeBron James in a one-off. Like, if you lose, you you are just done. Your season's over. And the same no applies way. for Ty, Ty Lue's Clippers, where I just – I don't think they're a great team. But in a one game, man, they're just scary in a one game. So, to me, even if Memphis is what you were gunning for, I still think you just try to get that six seed so you're guaranteed in. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's true. I guess – how about within the context of, like, if Memphis was three or – four so yeah yeah you definitely take yeah. you definitely take the the six but i think denver or dallas are in a place where what what's the gap between utah and memphis right now uh it's pretty big it's it's pretty huge i, yeah, yeah, I think okay. memphis is locked into two or three i think i mean i don't mean any shade on memphis like memphis is i, I kind of think like memphis is where denver yeah. was like a couple years ago where it's like boom they're you know yeah. they're here they arrived I just feel like that's the team. I want to catch them the first time they're there. I know they were, I know they were <laughs> there sure. last time, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I just – yeah, that, that lines up in my head. So Minnesota is the seven seed. Let's just do that possibility first. If Minnesota is the seven seed, what's your confidence level that they are going to win one of the two games they would need to to get into the playoffs? The Clippers have smacked them, man. So I got to, like, <laughs> it's not good. It's, I like, know. Not a, it's not a good matchup. I mean, you get a yeah. lose twice. So I, I can't, I, I still think if they get the seven or eight seed, it's like over 50 50, but, or over 50%. I, <laughs> I, like, Clippers in the first round, who you've gotten, who's beat you up more than anybody this whole year. And then you gotta play LeBron in a one-off. That that's just a nightmare. Yeah, man. that is a nightmare. When this defense better come around that you told me about, because they are just <laughs> they have completely crashed. And I'm mad because you were right. Um <laughs> well, so I, I also yeah. told you though, I did tell you that it bounces back. Now I don't think it bounces back right after the all-star break, but Denver every year has been good over the last like 15 games. It's like, okay, it's playoff time, start to hone in again and and they get it back. So if I was right the first time, I might be right the second time that you should expect it to improve. Well, and if that is the case, then I think Denver has to be a little concerned about the Wolves catching them because, because if you mixing in a top 10 or 10th defense with what the Wolves have been offensively since the, you know, the turn of the week, once they got everybody back from COVID beginning of January, like they're, they're number two in offense. 
over over this time over the in 2022 so like if the defense comes all the way back to what it was like they will be on denver's heels i i don't yeah. think i can pick them i actually when i'm mad on my podcast like maybe 10 12 days ago i picked the wolves over denver but now i'm like there's just not that many games left like three yeah. and a half games or when there's three games, 20, three games yeah <laughs> yeah three when there's 20 only 23 games left like that's just not a lot of room you know to when you start doing it. the math yeah it's like if denver goes you know 500 the timberwolves have to be actually really good and and obviously i think denver will be better than that denver has far and away the easiest schedule most teams like the middle 20 teams all have the same the schedule's the same like if if okay. you're the 20th toughest or 10th toughest they're pretty much the exact same denver has is an outlier and how many home games they have and how many rest advantages they have so i that's part of what it factors in i think denver is i don't want to say comfortably i'm sure when you talk to matt a week or two weeks ago or whatever it was you know since then denver beat golden state on the road and they beat milwaukee on the road and those were two games you kind of penciled in as losses and if that were the case then we're talking about a one game lead over minnesota and so denver getting two games in one week that they weren't really supposed to to me makes it like okay i think they're probably going to be safe here see now what matt said to me is he goes i think it's going to be denver at five and minnesota at six he thinks dallas is going to get washed Man. out here. and i was like what i, I don't know. like and i guess that's just all about what you think about the kp trade right like, that's true um i guess just everyone just hates it i'm a little bit higher on it i i, I think plus you just have luca I mean, Luca's doing what Jokic has been doing. Luca's doing now what Jokic has been doing all season. You know, yeah. Where so the, I, yeah. how do you catch that? I, it's just stuff. Well, the big part of the schedule then, Minnesota plays Dallas twice, and Dallas plays Utah three times. So those teams, like Dallas, is trying to catch Utah and stave off Denver and Minnesota. And the fact that they actually play the you know Minnesota twice. They play them twice in a four-day period, which is kind of crazy. The NBA schedule this year is, is bizarre. Um, so that could actually end up being, to your point, Minnesota controls a little bit of their destiny in that way, that those games become a little added bonus uh, in the intensity. If I look at the schedule here, though, out of the break is brutal. You've got Memphis, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Golden State. Now, all of them are at home except for the Cleveland game, and there's nice – I guess Philadelphia is a back-to-back, -back, so that one's tough, but it's a home back-to-back. -back. Um, those are four really tough games, and I feel like that the the seeding for Minnesota might be determined in those games because they're I home think you're, games, but good teams. You're totally on point there. I mean, Memphis, the first one, and then the next night it's a back-to-back, -back and it's Harden's first game. Um, <laughs> is he going to debut on the road? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well – Daryl Morey like tweeted about it yesterday or something. So okay. you're, you're totally right. Which brings me back to this whole, the Adam theory of like for the last 20 games of the season, can you like really spike your defense back up? Because if they don't, I, I'm even just the Thursday game, the first game of the season, is your, is your defense going to look and feel like it has felt for the past six weeks? If on Thursday, it's like that, I'm going to, I'm just going to be like, no, the world, you're not going to get it. Cause if you're going to be a bottom 10 defense, if you're going to stop caring about defense because you got good at offense. You're not going to, you're not going to catch Denver. Cause that's what Denver is too. You know, right. like it, it just, so yeah, you're, you're totally right. Like the, the first three, four games right out of the break are going to be very telling for the wolves. And I think for Denver and Dallas, if they actually have any competition here, the Clippers though, man, I, I've watched them a couple of times. I'm, I'm, I don't know if they can get all the way up to Denver, but I like that team. They have, I think, a pretty tough schedule down the stretch. And I, again, these things, you can overstate them pretty easily because usually one tough game makes your schedule, you know, one of the tougher ones. But I think the Clippers might I, – I, I feel comfortable that Minnesota will stay ahead of them just because they don't have those things in their favor here. So I'm kind of curious to see. But Denver being three losses up, and Denver has six straight games against below 500 teams to, to open up the break – and I do wonder if there's just this psychological effect for both teams where if Denver can get like a five-game cushion by the end of next week, basically, by the end of next week, if there's a five-game lead on Minnesota, even tough. though you can look at it and say, yeah, but Denver now has tough games or whatever, I just – there's a psychological boost you get when you're like, okay, we're rolling. And conversely, Minnesota, if they do drop some of these games, there's a psychological lull of, oh, God, now we're at risk of falling even further. So that – that I'm kind of watching that. What – 
what do you, I mean, and your listeners probably already know this better than me. Like what's, what's up with Jamal Murray? Like right. when, when from the Wolves perspective, should we, or how much should we be factoring in the idea that Denver is getting reinforcements here in the final six weeks? Nobody knows the answer to this and the Nuggets practice tomorrow. And, and like, you know, everything's kind of like after the all-star break, after the all-star break, let's find out. And I think that after the tomorrow's practice should be pretty revealing because those questions will be asked. I think we'll get a look at him and just see, is he participating in any type of contact? Hmm. My estimate, my rough guess is that he probably comes back mid to late March. Um, the Nuggets play, they have a five game homestand, I believe in on March 20th. That might be the target date I look at now. That's always possible. He's he's well before that. I mean, originally we were hoping first of March, but there's been just such a lack of updates that I'm kind of starting to think it's more mid March for him. Um, and by the way, that you know how that is. It creates its own set of problems. Even though he's a good player, you that's might what I was just gonna say, man. Or like, what about Jaron Jackson last year? I know I understand right. Jamal's on a level above that, but it's like, okay, oh, we got Jaron Jackson back. Well, what was Jaron Jackson? Was he the sixth best player on Memphis once he got back last year? It's just the right. idea that that Jamal or MPJ are going to come back and even be, you know, ninety percent of what you, you know you think they are. You're right. I don't think you can. I don't think you can lock that in at all. So, but now if he does, if if Jamal's back here mid March and he's he is ninety percent of himself, now I think you've got a big gap ahead of the Wolves and the Clippers. And do, I mean, maybe you become the favorite over Dallas there too. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's when they get, that's when they get scary and they, they become a level very clearly. So I guess that's what I'll be looking for as these external factors. I mean, you got all the schedule stuff, but what are the Wolves going to do in the first week? And what are we going to learn about Murray and MPJ? Like that's, right. I think that's going to, give us a really good idea much more than i don't know any sort of the residual the positive residual or whatever might might say yeah well so it sounds like we both think minnesota will be the seven seed or to finish the season as the seven seed we both think denver will be ahead of them in that and it seems like you feel that no matter whether it's phoenix or golden state Minnesota's probably super heavy underdogs and has a, it would be an extreme long shot for them to win that series. Memphis, you think maybe, you know, there's always a chance. Yeah. I, I, the Wolves beat Memphis by 48 one time this year. Now they lost to them <laughs> twice, but, but there's something about my, and, and this is, we always do this, right. Where we got the cat Jokic sort of thing. And I know they're different players, but again, like that's Memphis. How is Memphis going to check Jokic? How are they going to check cat? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, Steven Adams, cats always crush. Yeah. Because he's just, he can't yeah. get out on the perimeter that sort of way. I know Jaron Jackson Jr. is better this year, but I don't know. I mean, I, it sounds like I'm totally bagging on Memphis, but for any of these teams, that is just as much of a carrot for me as it is of skipping, you know, the, the play-in games altogether and dodging a LeBron one-off. Well, it's crazy then. If that is the case, I mean, if, if if Minnesota were to match up well with Memphis and get a win and Denver somehow managed to get a win against Golden State, it's always possible that Minnesota and Denver can match up in a second round series, which would be a lot of fun. Uh, Don't get is, me. Then I got to come to Denver and <laughs> too much fun. Uh, he is Dane Moore. You can check him out uh, and all of his great covers, the Dane Moore uh, basketball podcast. Thanks so much, Dane. Yeah, man. I'll see you uh, when I'm there in Denver.